Welcome into the Monday edition of 444.com's The Most Accurate Podcast. I'm Anthony Stalter, joined by John Paulson. He's the senior editor at 444.com. Pretty interesting weekend throughout all of the NFL. And a lot of people, a lot of teams are jockeying for playoff position in not only their division, but their conference, John. And, uh, kind of, like I said, kind of an interesting Sunday. How are we doing today? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? Uh, I hate football. Okay. I really dislike the Falcons again and I mm-hmm. think they're frauds and I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to win the NFC South division so that's where my attitude is today uh excellent I don't think I've ever seen uh, <laughs> a two-point uh conversion go quite that badly uh, you know that that's uh, about as bad as it can get to, to try to go up three and then end up going down one uh, <laughs> on the two-point conversion not what you want no, no. The the Falcons are basically the new version of the San Diego Chargers. All they want to do is uh, rip defeat out of the jaws of victory, and they're going to just invent new ways to lose. So, again, congratulations to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, your 2016 NFC South champion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little bitter today, John. Yeah, I, I go can a- tell. Go ahead and tell us about the music before we get into the fantasy fallout. Uh, it's a band uh, formed in Los Angeles uh, called The Shelters. Uh, the name of the song is Liar. It's the third track off of their self-titled album uh, from, from this year. Uh, you should also check out uh, the opening track on that album, Rebel Heart. Um, both both tracks are really good. Added them to our Most Accurate Podcast playlist on Spotify. Uh, search there on Spotify for that or go to our website. And any of the podcast posts, there's a, a link to the uh to the to the playlist if you want to hear more of the music. Let's let's lead up. We could go in a bunch of different directions here for our fantasy fallout segment. Let's start off with Lamar Miller. He rushed for 22 yards on 14 carries. He added seven yards on one catch against the Packers, but he went to the locker room after the first series with a rib injury. He returned late in the first quarter, but he, he's pretty banged up now. So if you're a Lamar Miller owner and he he really did some damage for fantasy owners, I can raise my hand. And, and note that he only got a couple of points for me on one of my teams. You know, dealing with that ribs injury, discuss Alfred Blue and then Jonathan Grimes and maybe their fantasy value looking ahead to Week 14. Well, the fact that Miller returned to the game indicates that it's not um, too bad of an injury, but that they were he was not running very well, 1.6 yards per carry, so they they turned uh, you know to Blue and to Grimes a little bit. Um, they were getting. Uh, Watching that game was kind of amazing because for most of the game, the Packer defense could not get off the field. I mean, I think there was a third and 13 or something, and they ran the ball. Houston did, and then got the first down. (laughs) That's just – you're just watching a guy just go up the middle, uh, you know, evading six, seven tacklers. It's it's pretty amazing. Uh, But they pulled out the win. Um, Back to Houston. I I don't know – if there's a way to capitalize necessarily a Miller injury or a Miller owner, what they should do because Alfred blue is not very good in the passing game. Um, he has been the guy that steps into the, the 10 to 17 carry role. If uh, used to be Arian Foster was out now, Lamar Miller, if he's out blue is most likely to get most of those carries uh, with Jonathan Grimes, you know, doing the, the third down uh, passing down work uh, next week. They have the Colts. Uh, so that's a really good matchup. It'd be a shame for Lamar Miller owners if he can't play, but obviously you got to watch his uh, practice activity this week to see where he's at. But I think if you're looking for a start between one of those two guys, Blue or for Grimes, I think I would go with Blue because they're they're more likely to be able to run the ball consistently uh, against the Colts than maybe they were against the Packers. 
I wanted to ask you about the Patriots situation. Yesterday was the first opportunity that we had to see what the Patriots offense would look like without Rob Gronkowski. Who benefits now with Gronkowski being out? Because Martellus Bennett, he only caught two of four targets for four yards. He he had a pass stripped away from him in the end zone when he went up to, to try to catch a touchdown pass. So we, they, it looks like they are going to try to use him in the red zone, John. But Danny Amendola suffered a high ankle sprain. Is the guy that's going to get the, the most looks potentially Malcolm Mitchell? Or do you like somebody else in that offense? Yeah, I mean, you would think that Bennett would be doing significantly better with, with Gronkowski's sideline, but just two catches for four yards. I did see the, the red zone attempt, so they are looking at him in scoring position. Um, I would think that they're going to get this sort of organized and get him uh, into the offense more. I think part of the issue is that he's been dealing with an ankle injury, and that's been limiting his practice availability, and I don't know how healthy he is. Uh, but... The, the big beneficiary right now, it appears, is Malcolm Mitchell with the 10 targets. He had eight catches for 82 yards. Uh, Julian Edelman, 12 targets for 100, eight for 101 yards, eight catches for 101 yards. So those two are benefiting. Julian Edelman's like floor is, is, is raised. Mitchell is now on the radar as a wide receiver three, wide receiver four type, uh, especially with Amendola now, Gimpy. And then you have Chris Hogan, uh, four catches for 23 yards and a touchdown. He only had five targets though, so he was, getting half the targets that uh, Mitchell got. And then both passing down backs, James White and Deion Lewis, both saw five targets, which is unusual. Usually they have um, one of those guys is getting five or six or seven targets, and the other one is not playing a whole lot, but they're using both White and Deion Lewis. So to answer your question, you know, Mitchell is probably the biggest beneficiary at this point. I would think long-term Bennett would be, um, but he's got to get healthy. And then the rest of it, they're just sort of spreading the targets amongst everybody, so it's, it's hard to really uh, capitalize too much on that. Thomas Rawls had 15 carries for 106 yards and two touchdowns. He also caught one pass for 12 yards in Seattle's win last night over the Carolina Panthers. I, I think it's obvious that Thomas Rawls can be used as a starter, whether he's a borderline RB1 or an RB2, John. I, it, I guess it depends on the matchup. My question for you is, is he matchup-proof? I mean, should you should you always write Thomas Rawls in from here on out after what you saw last night? Uh, I think heading into the season, if he had been healthy, he would have been ranked as a low-end RB1, uh, high-end RB2. Uh, but he had that uh, weird injury and then sat out for a long stretch in the middle of the season and, you know, really didn't look that great last week against Tampa. The whole offense kind of struggled. Uh, he averaged four yards per carry against uh, Philly um, week 11, so that was a pretty good uh, comeback. He had three catches for 31 yards in that game. Um, so... So expecting 106 yards, two touchdowns against Carolina, uh, who has a pretty tough rush D, although they're pretty banged up there at the linebacker core with Keekley out. Um, you know, seven yards, 7.1 yards per carry. That's a really impressive showing. Uh, that's the number one adjusted fantasy points allowed defense. Carolina, obviously banged up again. Uh, the caveat there. Uh, they have, um, Carol, or we have Green Bay coming up at Green Bay. Green Bay's had a pretty good rush defense most of the year. They've been hit a few times, though. Uh, Rob Kelly got them pretty good. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott got them pretty good. So I think he's going to be ranked uh, in that 10 to 14 range, probably, against the Packers. And then the Rams uh, in Week 15, that's not really a foreboding matchup. Uh, but then he has uh, the, the, the Cardinals in Week 16. And depending on how he does the next couple of weeks, I'm not exactly sure how high he'll be. Uh, ranked against Arizona. I'd have to look more closely at that matchup. 
All right, Doug Martin said today that he's doing fine after sitting out the final three drives against the Chargers yesterday in the Buccaneers' win. He said he was bent back late in the game, and that's why he sat out. Coach Dirk Cutter also said that uh, he, Doug Martin is fine. So maybe this is all, all to do about nothing here with Doug Martin's injury. But but look, Charles Sims could return soon. You had Jaquiz Rogers making an impact on the final drive. Where's Doug Martin now when you look at the – fantasy rankings at the running back spot from here on out where where do you start to rank Doug Martin well it's one thing if a, if a player gets injured dinged up and then sits the last three series and they're the team's winning in a blowout or winning by 10 14 17 points um it's another when the game is tight and they are unable to play uh so heading into this week I, I treat those two scenarios differently and right now I'm I'm less optimistic about Martin uh, playing in week 14 than I, I would have, you know, would have if, if the Bucks had been, been leading by 10 or 17 points the whole, the second half. Um, and the other issue here with, with the Bucks is that we have Jacquiz Rogers back. Um, but we also have, uh, Charles Sims working his way back. He's supposed to come back, uh, this week, actually. So if he's activated and, um, is, is practicing fully and then you have Martin out, it's tough to say who the uh, Buccaneers will lean on. Uh, in week 14, I would think it would be Rogers since he has uh, one extra game here. Uh, one recent game under, under his belt, he's probably in a little bit better shape, whereas Sims has had to, uh, you know, been rehabbing and not getting the, the cardiovascular that most players would get. He maybe would be the, the backup to, to Rogers. Uh, so, but it's not a clear situation. Um, and then if Martin is back and he plays, how dinged up is he? And what does that mean for his workload? Uh, I'm guessing he, if he's if he's healthy uh, or healthy-ish to, to practice, I would have him ranked uh, in the you know the 16 to 22 range there as a low-end RB two. Same similar question at least with Julio Jones. Obviously, if he's active, you're playing him, but he's dealing with a turf toe injury. Dan Quinn said he'd be fine, but Julio Jones really didn't play much in the, the final drive for the Falcons uh, before they broke my heart and threw the pick six uh, on the two point conversion. How does this type of injury impact your rankings? Well, I, when I like questions like this, I generally go back to uh, Chris Raybon's article. A lot of this was guesswork prior to him doing all this research about the effects of injuries on weekly NFL fantasy football player performance. That's the name of the article. Uh, if you go, if you search for that, it's, it's a free article over at 444. Even non-subscribers can, can check it out. But he basically went through and looked at every position and then looked at uh, every injury for every position and f- calculated how much of a reduction in um, uh, uh, per game performance that each player saw given the injury. And if you look at the wide receiver section and you look at toe, uh, there have been, you know, 17 uh, games where uh, a receiver has been questionable or doubtful with a toe injury and those players have performed 28% less uh, production than, uh, you know, otherwise healthy. And if you look at the, the 12 games probable, probable with a toe injury, which is no longer a designation that the NFL uses, it's minus 43%. Uh, so a toe injury is, is a significant uh, uh, problem for, for a receiver. It hurts their production. But with Julio, you're, you're starting him, even if you knock off 20, 30% of his production, uh, he's still uh, going to start for most people. And then Jeremy Macklin, he could return from a four-game absence on Thursday night when the Chiefs square off in that big game against the Raiders. If he's active, do you trust him as a wide re- wide receiver three based on the matchup? No, because of of how he's played. Um, he's been out for so long 
that you don't know what sort of you know condition he's in, how many snaps he's going to play. Uh, it's a groin injury, which is you know pretty tricky. Um, so it sort of depends on how much he practices uh, and, and and all that. But then if you're looking at what what's going on with the receiving core there, I, I don't think Tyree Kill is necessarily uh, hurt as much by that as uh, maybe an Albert Wilson or a Chris Conley might be. Uh, those those are the guys I think we're gonna. Uh, see a reduction in, in snaps as opposed to, to Hill, who's been kind of playing a similar amount of snaps, uh, kind of a growing role, but more of a part-time role uh, over the last few weeks, even with Macklin sidelined. I don't know that he'd be ranked in my top 20 like he was this week, uh, but he'd certainly uh, you know be fantasy start, starter worthy given the situation. One more question before we look at some waiver wire options for week 14. The Arizona Cardinals wide receiver situation kind of got interesting. Right before we jumped on the pod, you, you noted that John Brown, apparently there's a report that he's going to be limited to 20 snaps. So who does that benefit? Well, I think it benefits Michael Floyd specifically because um, J.J. Nelson, he caught a long touchdown, but he was playing uh, you know part-time snaps, and it was Floyd uh, who played 92% of the snaps yesterday. He only had three catches for 18 yards and a touchdown. I think he was dealing with Josh Norman uh, most of the uh, game. He had eight targets. Uh, if he's getting eight targets uh, against Miami uh, next week or against New Orleans in week 15, I think he's going to produce fantasy starter numbers. And by the you know the Cardinals coming out and saying they're going to limit Brown to 20 snaps here uh, in the short term, that pretty much guarantees that Floyd is going to play at least 70, 80 percent of the snaps. So I think uh, if you're looking for a receiver to sort of help uh, here in, in crunch time. Uh, he's not a bad guy to pick up and, and give yourself that option because the, the matchups here with Miami and New Orleans are pretty good. Let's hand out some waiver, waiver wire watches for Week 14. We'll start off with Joe Flacco. He had a great game against the Dolphins yesterday. Apparently, he went to Marty Morningweg, the offense coordinator, said, hey, we, we need to open up this offense a little bit more and open up the offense they did. Again, he had a big one, and you like him, uh, potentially for Week 14. Yeah, I wish I would have. They would have told me that they were going to open up the offense this week <laughs> against Miami because it would have been nice to rank uh, Flacco higher with that 381 yards, uh, four touchdowns, 47 attempts, uh, his highest since the bye uh, in week eight. Um, he's got uh, New England this week, so um, that's that's a green matchup for us. They're 25th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. So uh, I don't know who's all available on waiver wires out there, but I'm pretty sure Flacco is, is probably out there. He's a pretty good pickup and start this week, given, uh, you know, the, how they, you know, kind of changed the offense a little bit there and uh, opened it up a little bit. And then who they're facing, they're, they're probably going to have to throw the ball to stay in this game. If, uh, on the, you know, the game's in new England, if, if the Patriots jump out to a lead, uh, they're gonna have to throw a little bit more than they, than they maybe they want to. And that, that, that certainly benefits um, the fantasy uh, passing stats there for Baltimore. Let's hand out some wide receiver waiver wire options. How about Dontrell Inman? He caught two of two of five targets yesterday for 49 yards and a touchdown in the Chargers' loss to the Bucks. Looks like he's playing ahead of Travis Benjamin. Yeah, we've got a couple of receivers to talk about. This one, Inman has probably been picked up in, in maybe half the leagues out there. Uh, I think in the more shallow leagues, he might still be available. Uh, but he's a pretty intriguing option uh, given he's got two touchdowns in the last two games. Um and then you're looking back at his last six games. He's averaging seven targets per game. And then the, the upcoming schedule is pretty pretty favorable. They have the Panthers, uh, 23rd in just a fancy points allowed to receivers. Uh, they have Oakland, who is ninth in that category, which is uh, 
which is significantly better. But you know, I don't look at Oakland as a real daunting matchup for receivers. And then in Week 16, they have the Browns, uh, 26th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to receivers. So um, you know, he's he's playing 90 plus percent of the snaps. Uh, Travis Benjamin is more of the part-time player uh, with with Inman and Terrell Williams, uh, you know, running out there most of the time together. Uh, so even though his his targets weren't huge the last couple of weeks, six and five. Uh, he's he's been hugely productive with that, and he, you know everybody knows that Phil Rivers is a good quarterback. So, given these matchups, I think he's starter worthy down the stretch. You mentioned we got a couple of options at wide receiver. Brandon LaFell caught five of seven targets for ninety five yards and one touchdown in the Bengals win yesterday over the Eagles. He's seen a bunch of targets since AJ Green went down with that hamstring injury two games ago. Yeah, so if you if you need a, a receiver this week. Um, and Vlafel's out there. He's, a, he's an intriguing play. Now he might end up giving you a, you know, a four catch for 32 yard game like he gave, uh, fantasy owners in week 11. But he had nine targets in that game and he had nine targets in week 12 and he had seven targets last week. So he's 25 targets in the last three weeks since AJ Green's been out. And as long as Green is sidelined, uh, then you're looking at, well, what, how's the matchup? They have the, they have the Browns this week. So 26 in just the fantasy points allowed to receivers. Uh, Andy Dalton's still playing pretty well. Uh, he's a pretty good quarterback. Um, so, you know, you're looking at uh, LaFell, Boyd, and Eifert as the three primary targets in the passing game. And, you know, at this point in the season, uh, there aren't a whole lot of receivers out there that have 25 targets in the last three weeks and are getting them so evenly distributed like LaFell is. Uh, he just didn't do much with them in weeks 11 and 12 uh, against Buffalo and Baltimore, but he did a lot better against Philly, and he should do better against uh, the Browns. One tight end, he had a big impact for the Steelers yesterday. It's Ladarius Green. I feel like he's one of our favorites here at 44.com. I feel like we're always talking about Ladarius Green dating back to his days at San Diego. And if he's still available, he could be a great ad this week. Yeah, I mean, he's really fast. He's a very athletic player. This is sort of what I was envisioning when he signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I thought he would replace Heath Miller and be even better from a fantasy standpoint than Miller was. Uh, since he's uh, such an athletic stud and he's showing that speed down the seam and hitting those long uh, balls from uh, from Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, he played 35 snaps, which was up from 14 last week and eight the previous week. So he's increasing his snaps the last three weeks. Uh, he's playing almost uh, 50% of the snaps now. And I think after this game, uh, that's going to continue to grow and he might end up being 60, 70% uh, player down the stretch. Um, the, the matchup this week is not fantastic. The, the Bills are 12th. And adjusted fantasy points allowed to, to tight ends. Uh, but it's not a, a real daunting matchup either. And a lot of folks right now are, are kind of stuck at the tight end position if they don't have a stud. Uh, but then week 15, he has, uh, the Bengals who are 30th, uh, in that metric. And, uh, so that's a real good matchup for, uh, for, for week 15. I think even week 16 against Baltimore at home, uh, he's playable there. They're seventh in, the, in that metric against tight ends, but, uh, you know, everybody knows that Ben Roethlisberger loves to throw the ball at home and is a lot more productive in the, in the passing game at home. So uh, getting a piece of that offense in week 16 is not a bad idea either. We always spend some time talking about the Monday night football match. Kind of a dud tonight, although the Indianapolis Colts are still in the mix in that brutal AFC South. The Colts are going to be at the New York Jets tonight. And from an injury standpoint, I don't really know outside of, again, Andrew Luck, who's going to play. I don't know if there's much out there, but maybe a T.Y. Hilton update, John, or if you're looking at a certain player that you're that you're kind of keying on for Monday Night Football, uh, go ahead and share that with us. 
Yeah, Hilton, Hilton was a little dicey earlier in the week, but they would look like they were just giving him some rest, and he's a full go tonight. Dante Moncrief looks like a top 20 start. Uh, he's, he catches his touchdowns regularly, especially when Andrew Luck's in the lineup. Uh, Gore is a little bit iffy with the, not, not with an injury, but with the matchup against the Jets' uh, defense. Uh, it's it's un, kind of unclear how well the, the Colts will be able to run on the Jets, but if they use Gore in the passing game, which they like to do around the goal line, uh, he could be a, a weapon there. Um, and then on the Jets' side of the ball, I'm interested to see if, if uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick can carry over his good play from last week against the Patriots and um, continue to throw the ball well to to Brandon Marshall and Quincy Inunua. Uh Those are the two primary uh, passing uh, uh, weapons there for him. And then you have uh, Matt Forte uh, in a very nice matchup with the Colts' defense. Uh, you know, he or uh, Bilal Powell probably have a, a t- at least one touchdown tonight. Um, this could be a, a big game for the for the Jets' running game, uh, given given the matchup against the Colts. I think this is, should be a high scoring game. I I don't know how your guy feels about this tonight, John, but I, I really like the Jets, and it's it's, it's exactly for that running game um, that you just talked about. I think they could establish the run early, and if Fitzpatrick, who played really well in stretches against the Patriots last week. If if he's on, he's not turning the ball over. I could see the Jets, who are only three and eight. I mean, they, they've been bad at home too. They're one and four. I see them winning this game, and the the, the point spread went from a pick'em to the Jets being an underdog, and now that the Jets are a small home favorite at minus one, I think they win tonight. Uh, my guy has it as twenty nine uh, for the Jets, twenty eight for the, the for the Colts. So he's got it, I think, right on the the line. Oh no, the Jets are getting a point. I'm not sure what the line is right now. The, the 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 line moved to New York minus one. Okay, so he's got it right on the line then, and then um, he does like he does seem to like the over. It's not an official pick, but he's he's like, he's got him at fifty seven, and then the over under I think is just dropped down to forty seven and a half. Last I looked, I'm trying to do all this out of memory. It is uh, forty forty eight and a half. It's gone down from forty nine and a half to forty eight and a half. Okay, forty eight and a half. So uh, that's a that's a lean on the on the over there. Uh, I think it could be a high spring game, but you have to, you got to check the weather uh, before before placing that. We were kind of bit by the weather a little bit with Green Bay and uh, in Chicago there with uh, that San Francisco game. I know a lot of people started uh, Colin Kaepernick and got burned by him. I got a few people grumbling uh, at me <laughs> on Twitter about that. Uh, but you, you go look at, and this is a kind of a um, maybe a lesson for us all because you get caught up in uh, what a player has done lately, and, and you look at what Colin Kaepernick has. Um, done in the last, I don't know, six or seven games. He's been a strong QB one. And, um, you know, what, what would lead you to believe that it would change against the Bears? Um, and, and people are blaming the snow, but I really don't think that, um, a snowstorm or, uh, flurries is, is enough for me to really drop a player, uh, significantly. I, I usually only drop for, um, winds above 15 miles per hour or, uh, blizzard conditions, which was, these weren't blizzard conditions. It looks worse worse on TV than it is actually on the field. Um, but uh, the, the, I guess the larger lesson here is with Kaepernick, he is a player that didn't even start the season as the starter. Um, and maybe, you know, he, he turns into a pumpkin uh, at midnight uh, and, and it hurts you at a bad time. Uh, and uh, if you have a better option uh, or more, at least a more stable option, uh, might have been a better idea to go with it. I, I know um, I moved... Stafford below uh, Kaepernick after Marvin Jones was ruled out. And I definitely regret that. That's something that um, I'm going to have to remember uh, moving forward, not to get too caught up in the short-term uh, production uh, 
especially when Stafford uh, had a pretty good matchup there with the Saints. I, I support that with looking at – when you're looking at the weather conditions, I'll do the same thing if I'm handicapping a football game. I'll say, okay, well, if the winds are bad, then that, that will affect things. If it's going to be wet or it's going to be snowy, that doesn't – you know, sometimes I'll be cautious, maybe stay away from a game, but ultimately – the wind is the biggest impact when you're looking at offenses, and, and really it plays with over-unders. So I could certainly see that impact in fantasy, your fantasy rankings as well, John. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Done deal. That is Done. John Paulson. You can you can follow him on Twitter at 444 underscore John. You can follow me on Twitter at Anthony Stalter. We hope that if you had any players going tonight in the Monday Night Football match, if your games are on the line, best of luck to you. We will see you on Friday for that edition or the next edition of 444.com's The Most Accurate Podcast.